This is February 9th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great, great week. Uh, surviving the snow, uh, which has been coming down like crazy of late, uh, here at least in the Northeast. I know a lot of listeners are from other parts of the country. Uh, you know, lots of parts that would love to hear where people are from who listen to this. Um, if you want to send me a message or tweet at me or, you know, shoot me a message on Facebook. Uh, if you're not from the Northeast, where you, where you listen from, cause uh, it's cool to see where people are. We can you know, make a map out of everybody. Uh, but uh, at any rate, on this episode, I had on Connor Ryan again, and I wanted to go deep on David Pasternak because I feel a lot of times we just kind of accept that he's nasty, but it's like, well, what does it all mean? Why, you know, what are, how, where does he rank among other uh, top Bruins uh, stars of the past 20 to 30 years? Uh, and how does he rank in the city? You know, is is he number one? Is he number two behind Jason Tatum? Where's Xander Bogarts and that? So we kind of get into a discussion on that and the value that a guy like Pasternak brings and just how rare a guy like this comes along and rejuvenates a team uh, and rejuvenates a franchise. So we get into that quite a bit. We also discussed uh, the Bruins loving comebacks. That's the new thing. They love comebacks. So we get into what that means for them potentially being a big Stanley Cup favorite. I know it's early, but... I think we're 20% through the season. So we get into that. Obviously, no real games to talk about concerning this two Sabres games got canceled. So this is good. Or they got postponed. At least, you know, that it's good because we can catch up on other stuff and, and talk about some other topics. Uh, and then we get into what happens when Grizzly comes back in the lineup. Who Who is the odd man out, so to speak? Because I don't think there's a clear one. Um, so we get into that in this episode. Uh, before we get into the episode first, make sure to go subscribe to Bruins Rinkside. There's been a lot of support over there. It's been really fun. As I said, we're going to really start getting things going over there. I just need to sort of sort a few things out. Um, and there will be live podcasts. There will be live, uh, live shows, things like that to get you guys involved, you know, questions and listener interaction. I think it's in, it's over 650 subscribers at the time of recording this. So, uh, it's grown fast. It is growing very, very quickly. So make sure to go jump on that train, go jump over there, uh, subscribe to Bruins Rinkside. Um, and then, Another thing to mention is, are we ready for some hockey? Because I know you're ready for some hockey. I'm ready for some hockey. I hope everyone's ready for some hockey. Because with hockey, uh, with the Super Bowl ending and hockey kind of going to the forefront along with basketball, there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. I hope you guys put in some bets for the Super Bowl. I know I did. I did well on some things, not so well on others, and that's okay. Uh, but I used Bet Online, of course, and they had some awesome prop bets for the Super Bowl. I bet on stuff with the anthem. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a football expert, so I kind of enjoy, and I love football and I love watching it, but I'm not an expert. Um, so I love, you know, kind of doing the prop bets, especially with the Super Bowl. And Bet Online had a bunch, um, and they will going forward with a lot of different sports. So make sure. Uh, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code as I mentioned to CLNS50. To receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit, bet online at your online sportsbook experts. I've been saying this. Now's the time to get in on the Bruins. You know, if you're liking what you're seeing, put some money on them. Go for it. Remember to use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. (laughs) 
And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, not much. What's going on with you? Not much. It's uh, snowing, which is always fun as we record this. Uh, I think we've really cursed nice. all of these podcasts now. With... We have, and we've also gone so deep on the weather. I feel like every podcast, it's we go deep into the weather and kind of how unfortunate it can be and how this feel, season feels so weird. Um, but now with the Super Bowl over, it's just it's hockey and basketball. That's what it is. It's it, it, that's all we got right now. Um, You're not excited for spring training with the the 2021 Red Sox. I forgot about that. It's funny. The, the spring training to me, I, I love when spring training comes around because that usually means that spring is here and mm-hmm. that like warm weather is, is on the way, which I always love. So um, having it back, I'll enjoy watching the Red Sox. I will not. Um, yes. Just a wretched team. Wretched, wretched, wretched. But uh, your Boston Bruins, not so bad. Not even close. Uh, they, they, they're the top te- one of the top teams in the NHL right now, uh, points wise. That's one of the, ironically, it's the easiest stat and I don't have that in front of me. They are tied for second with Montreal, at least at the time we're recording this. And Toronto jumped ahead, which, uh, you know, I think they've got two more games up on everyone else. But also, to be fair, like, uh, I mean, we can probably talk about this another time in terms of how these divisions are stacking up. But there's some horseshit ass teams in that Canadian oh. division. Oh, yes. Like, um, and it's funny, the Canucks have turned out just as we thought in net. Thatcher Demko has been terrible. Braden Holpe's been terrible. Like, and the defense in front of them isn't much better. Oh no, no, no! It's it is not. It, it is not. Um, but you're right. That Canadian division is just. I mean, you look at, you know, you have Toronto and Montreal at the top, and then like going into the season, I didn't put Montreal up with Toronto, but now after seeing them, they're right. a really good. They're a very good team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that would have been a real. That would have been a tough matchup for the Bruins this year. Uh, but then after that, you have Winnipeg. Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary. I think those are all interchangeable. You can put them wherever you want. And then yeah. you have Ottawa. So those are not, that's not a hard division by any means. No. Like we, we, we talked a lot about, uh, Tampa in the South just running train on everyone, but that league's looked more competitive than Canadian, the, the Canadian division. Like, uh, yeah, Toronto is good. Montreal's been very good. But when you hang in like six goals, I mean, who knows? Like, People have to also be cognizant of the fact the Bruins have this great record, and they also probably they've mostly been playing against the top teams in the East, right? Like they haven't played the Sabres yet, haven't played the Rangers, who are getting better, but like that defense is still bad, with or without Tony D'Angelo in the lineup. It's still not a good defense. Like, so who, who knows if maybe the Bruins start, you know, piling on six-one wins or something like the the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing, then we'll change the tone. But so far, like they're. That, that that whole league really doesn't look like it's been that super competitive yet. And we'll get into, you know, these huge wins over good teams um, in the second half of today's show. But first, I, I'd love to focus on Pasternak a little bit. Um, and obviously, talk of everything, he comes back, he scores, you know, five goals in those uh, first three games, really just the two. Um, when he came back, he had the hat trick, he had the two-goal game, he has eight total points in four games, which is crazy. Uh, even Cassidy saying, you know, like, that I didn't, you know, I expected him to have his legs, but definitely not his hands and his skill and his goal scoring ability. And look what came. He, he's still nasty. Um, but it's funny. And this is something that I've, I've always kind of thought about. And, you know, maybe this is relevant with the Super Bowl with Brady uh, down in Tampa. Um, but over the past few years, I'd say past, you know, four or five, a lot of stars have left Boston. Ortiz, uh, Brady, Betts, Chara, um, 
I wouldn't put Kyrie in with that, but he was a, a technically a star. Yep. Um, n- nowhere near as impactful to the city as the previous names mentioned. But you now have this, what's the next generation of, you know, Boston sports athlete. And, you know, I think there's a few candidates. A lot of people say Jason Tatum. Uh, the Red Sox really don't have one. Maybe he's Bogart. Bogart isn't big enough, really. Um, and the team isn't as good. Uh, the, the Celtics, or I mentioned the Celtics, the Patriots really don't have anybody. Um, unless you want to put like Chase Winovich on that or (laughs) it just, there's nobody there. So it really comes down to me to, to Tatum and Pasternak. Those are the two. I think those are the two right now of who is the kind of the, the face of Boston sports, Uh, especially the younger generation because you have Bergeron, you have Edelman. Um, but those are older guys. Um, but I really do wonder who does have the edge there because in the respective sport, I think Bergeron is is or excuse me, not Bergeron. Pasternak is better to the NHL than Tatum is in comparison to the NBA. Um, but in Boston, obviously everybody loves Jason Tatum, and he probably gets a little more play. But Pasternak is there, and I think that that says something. I think that says something. Where do you yeah, see it? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. Regardless of obviously, hockey's a a big you know draw in Boston, especially, so it helps him out quite a bit. But just the fact that you know probably. I, I mean, I would probably put Tatum at number one just in terms of nationwide appeal. Uh, you know, if he's not, he's not maybe the same tier as Pasternak in terms of Tostanak's, you know, obviously the best goal scorer in the NHL. Like Tatum, if he's not a top 10 player, he very well could be within the next year or so. I mean, he's, he's really damn good. Like, uh, but I think just. Overall, I'd give the edge to Tatum, but I think it's more of the fact that considering how much the NHL has struggled over the years with marketing players, you know, how much, even when the Bruins had, you know, great teams for, for years, you know, even looking back at 2011, like you got so many, you know, legendary players during that run, but you also were still in a market where you had Brady and you still had some of the holdovers from, you know, you still had Ortiz, you still had, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, like they were all like kind of in the mix. I think the fact that now uh, you look at kind of this next wave and the two best players, you know, you've got the NBA superstar number one, which makes total sense. And he's very deserving of it. But the fact that you got an NHL player as probably your number two guy who is, you know, not even, I think just limited to Boston in terms of his appeal. I mean, the NHL, they were smart, but keep on marketing him. I mean, he's doing all these Duncan ads, but he's a guy that's easy to market, right? He scores goals. He's a flashy player. He's got a good personality. You know, it's that's those are the kind of guys that the NHL should be targeting. Like you gotta, you gotta give Connor McDavid his due because of how good he is, but he's not like he's the most, you know, engaging person. The most, you know, the most conversation people have ever had about Connor McDavid was his like death star yes. house that he built. Yes. Like that's, that, that was, that was the number one draw for him. Like he, possibly not, he gets, you know, what is, what is he wearing? What he says after a game, you know, just, you know, kind of his overall, uh, personality coupled with his skill. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely those two guys are the top Tatum and Pasternak. I would still give Tatum probably the slide edge just based on the sport and the overall appeal. But, yeah, if, if you told someone, you know, even a few years back that, like, uh, a Bruin was going to be, def- I think, definitively probably number two in the city, uh, I think people would take it. It's just, I think, a testament maybe one to kind of the changing the God through all four sports in Boston. But also I think it's, you know, due to – Pasternak's own personality and his skill and just his overall appeal. 
Yeah, and I think the thing with Pasternak is, and and this, I feel like this gets overlooked a lot. How big of a generational piece he is. Mm-hmm. Like you, you really look at it, and 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 from all angles, you know, yeah, yes, you have the goal scoring, but just like even you remember back with Sagan, you know, Sagan was good, and Sagan got a lot of points in that eleven twelve season. Obviously, he had his issues, but that was the thing. He had his issues. He had. Um, you know, tough, a tough time kind of getting up into Boston's top six. You can put that on Claude if you'd like, but you know, Sagan also was not as consistent as people might have wanted him to be in certain areas. Um, Pasternak has everything. He does. And that's something like, like Fluto had that, uh, feature on how he was drafted. And it always amazes me that the guy, some of the guys who went before, uh, Pasternak went, such as, uh, Tony one D. Tony D'Angelo, Tony D, DJ Tony D. Uh, I was, yeah. you know, incredible that, that, a guy who had racial slur problems in the OHL got picked ahead of anybody, but whatever. Point is, you look at the goal scoring, you look at the the, the flashiness, you look at the personality, always you know dancing and, and interacting with fans when they're there, and and you know engaging and and fun to follow and likable, like that. That and you see with McDavid, that is not something you get, you know, every couple of years or every even ten years. Like that is a once in a 25 year star you picked up and like maybe the Bruins could have got it in Barzal in 2015. I know they weren't high on uh, Barzal obviously because they didn't pick him, but you look at the whole package with Pasternak and it is incredible that that is someone they're going to be able to build their team around. And the other thing, and he said this at the, at the media day and then at the Stanley cup, he said it when he signed his you know first big deal. He ain't playing for the money. He's not. I mean, who knows what his next deal he'll call for. I'd imagine it'll be more than this. Yes. But but nevertheless, the fact that he's willing to take less to have guys who are uh, really good around him, it's incredible. And, you know, obviously we always appreciate Pasternak. We always talk about how great he is. But when you really look at the full package and what you said, the fact that, that a Bruin is definitively number two, maybe number one in this city – Mm-hmm. It's not a Canadian market. Like hockey's big, but football's bigger. Baseball arguably is bigger because of the history and basketball with the Celtics. I think is bigger with a younger audience, maybe a little more active on Twitter. Um, but you know, Bruins and Celtics are always neck and neck for three and four. That says something that says a lot. Um, and I mean, you could make an argument that Pasternak's personality is better than Tatum's. You know, you could make that argument. Um, but again, obviously the nationwide appeal, is a little more with Jason Tatum, but yes, um, Jason Tatum also I, uh, likes St. Louis style pizzas, which knocks him down a little right. bit. So. That's right, and Poshnok's I mean, a dunks guy. Poshnok's that is true. One of us. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I can't fault Tatum for like legitimately being from St. Louis, so I understand. I understand you got to go to bat for your hometown chains, but it's still a bad. It's a bad hit. It's a bad hit. Bad hit. It's a it's a very bad hit. But yes, uh, you, you know, you just look at the overall uh, body of work. I mean, you could. I mean, in the past 20 years, the top Bruins draft picks, Pasternak's got to be number one. I mean, Bergeron's up there as well. Yeah. Marshawn as well. But, you know, sometimes those, like, Mar- you know, Marshawn was a late round pick. Some of those, it's it's crapshoots. It really is. Um, obviously, they do their homework. But with those guys, you're not expecting uh, a lot out. But, you know, to get a guy of Pasta's caliber where they did in the first round. Mm-hmm that might be enough to put him at number one um, in the past 20 years, just on impact and everything. 
um, that, that he brings. And you're seeing, you're seeing the fruits of it. You're seeing, does, does he hit 50 goals? Does he hit 50 goals? I, I, uh, I'm skeptical of this. If he was Austin Matthews and was, you know, scoring four goals against bootleg defenses up in Toronto, maybe. Toronto but, High School. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably not. But I mean, again, I, I want to see what happens when they start playing some of these other teams. I want to see them get a, a rematch against the Devils, uh, the Rangers, you know, Buffalo. Like there's a whole bunch of teams that, uh, have some pretty, you know, shady defense that, and again, for as much as, you know, pasta seems like he's, you know, storming out of the gate. Like we still got some rust to shake off. Like he's not, he hasn't really been automatic from the, the power play at, which shows you the expectations he's got, right. That you just expect him when he's winding up in the left circle to get, you know, uh, the puck through. Um, but I mean, he could get 30. Like I would it surprise you if he like challenged for 30, 35, like, I mean, you kind of just look, it seems like every year he's getting better and better. I mean, just the amount of shot volume he's taking this year, he's, yeah. I mean, it seems like I wrote a column after he had that, the hat trick against the Capitals where it's like, at what point do we stop putting like the, the ceiling on his offensive talent? Cause every year it seems like he's getting better and better. He's getting stronger on the puck. He's, you know, finding the soft areas of the ice. Uh, he can kind of shoot it from anywhere. Like every year it's something new. So it's, it is, you know, it's starting to get, it's starting to get, pointless to like cap off, you know, I, I suppose once a guy becomes a perennial 50 goal guy, you shouldn't put a, a ceiling on his talent anymore, but just every year it seems like he's getting better and better. There was a play, I think it was against the Capitals where the puck was going to go out of play into the bench and he put yeah. his stick up and just yeah. kind of knocked it down. It was so slick. Uh, and that was in transition. So um, again, it's just, it, it, as you said, there's no, there shouldn't be a ceiling. There's, it just, there's always something new with him. Um, and then again, you just look at his value. Uh, the city and to the team. It's incredible. And I don't, th- it's, it's not something that we're going to see out of another Bruin for probably another 15 years. Um, and I'm not diminishing Bergeron or Marshawn. I'm just saying they've kind of already, we've already had these discussions on these guys. Um, but this, this is a totally different thing. Um, and it's funny because Line A and Poshnok, I remember at the beginning of their career, kind of got com- compared a little bit, scoring mm-hmm. right wingers. And, you know, people kind of thought, oh, Line A, you know, how good of a goal scorer he is. But I mean, now it's like not even close. It's Pasternak by oh yeah. My when you add in the, when you add an even strength offense too, like Lainey's got a string together. He he was great first maybe two years in Winnipeg, but after that he started started becoming like more just like a power play ace guy. So yeah, you know, the the gap has gotten pretty big between those two. Yeah, it ain't close anymore. Um, so speaking of comebacks, Pasternak versus Lainey, how about the Bruins with all these comebacks? Four straight games where they have trailed on the third by a bunch of goals. Sometimes one, that was the game against uh, the Flyers. Uh, and, but the, before that, there were you know, three goal deficits, two goal deficits. They all came back. It's encouraging. It's very, very encouraging. Um, but is it sustainable? Like, is this a thing that, you know, they're doing, yes, they're doing it right now in February, mm-hmm. but does that necessarily mean they're going to be able to do it in April and May? Yeah, it's not sustainable. It's not the most conducive way to consistently, you know, rack up points in the standings to keep on doing this. Because, again, we're not even at the point yet in the season where these games are really going to start picking up, where it's game every other day, uh, three and four situations. Um, they've already had four games shuffled around anyway based on these two most recent postponements. So can can keep on doing that every single night. Um, but – at least in the short term, you can look at it as just being encouraging in terms of this team that 
I think we were all feeling pretty good about going into the year, but you still have a lot of question marks. The fact that even with, uh, you know, a decor where with, you know, with Grizzly out five of your six starters are 25 or under right now, like, which is crazy. Kevin Miller is the elder statesman on the team and we didn't even think he was going to be playing or at least be a starter this year going into it. Um, but when you look at that, you look at the fact they're also missing the and Kasha who are kind of question marks, but still, helps out your lineup when they're in there. Like you'd rather have those guys in the lineup than have to keep on shuffling Smith up and stuff like that. The fact that this team is still able to, you know, come back in four straight games to at least get a point out of it uh, against probably the two best teams, maybe in the East next to them. Um, yeah. It's a testament to kind of the, just the resolve this team has the tenacity. Um, I think it's also, you know, part of their game plan is I think you're seeing them in each of these games just wearing got wearing teams out. Uh you're seeing them their penalty kill has been great. Uh you know, Cassidy mentioned on Saturday that he's you know, praised the PK as being something that just like takes the life out of the other team. Like it's they're, you know, stopping any momentum, uh shifts when those guys are out there. Uh you're seeing the value of guys like Frederick and Miller and Lozon and their ability to wear guys wear teams out as the game goes on. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, it's again, you don't want to have them keep on doing this over the year because sooner or later it's going to catch up to you. Right. But uh, for the short term now uh, for a team like this, that is still, you know, I wouldn't say finding their footing, I guess, but still it's early in the year. You still got to see where some of these pieces fit to keep on coming back in this manner and keep on racking up points, especially against, the teams are doing it against it's definitely encouraging when you what i take away from this and you look at the third period goal differentials all that stuff this is a team on a mission and i know that's like you know very cliche said a lot but the fact that in those four straight road games road games they came back like that tells you something they know and you remember after last year uh, when Krejci kind of said in the post-game press draft for game five against the Lightning, you know, like he said something to the effect of like, it's dawning on me that, that you know, this could be it for the, the core that's here. Mm-hmm. I think they know that. They know yeah. that. And I think you're seeing it in these, in these comebacks. Um, and I think that this is a team that, that is going to be in the final kind of run at the Stanley cup. I think I, I do think that uh, going into the year, I mean, I had them second. I still probably think they finished second. Um, Bruins fans should want them to not finish first. No. Um, but I do think that this is a team that is going to be very, very heavy competitors for the cup. If everything stays the way it is and stays mm-hmm. the same, which I don't think we have any reason to think it won't um, yeah. over the next coming months um, that I think that they, you know, could be, big Stanley Cup competitors uh, come then. Another thing you mentioned was the injuries. And there's a big one. And that's Matt Grizzlick. And Matt Grizzlick is expected back this week at some point. Um, it's supposed to be on the, I think Cassie initially said to be back with the team on Monday. Yeah, and I think they're doing full practice on Monday. So they expect him in. I think DeBrus to be back. So Yes, so both of them back. Now, offense is different. Guys are always in and out. But the the, the D have stayed pretty consistent throughout the year. Um, Lozon and McAvoy have always been together. Uh, Zaboral and Kevin Miller have been together. Uh, Clifton obviously moved in for, for Grizzly with Carlo. But the real question is who moves out of those six? Mm-hmm. And when, cause Grizzly's going to come back, obviously Grizzly's going to go right back in. They're not going to sit Grizzly. But I mean, McAvoy's obviously not going anywhere. Carlo's not going anywhere. Lozon is probably not going anywhere. 
Then it comes down to Clifton, Zaboral, and Miller. Mm-hmm. Who gets knocked out of that crew? Uh, I think it's probably Clifton, which is unfortunate because I think he had his best game on uh, Friday against uh, the Flyers. But uh, Cassidy speaking on Saturday pretty much was like, yeah, you know, we've been encouraged with what we've seen from Lozon and Zaboral. I don't think they're coming out of the lineup. So it seems like it's going to be a situation where Clifton, unfortunately, is the odd man out. But it could be a situation where obviously injuries would open a spot for him to get back in the lineup. But if it's a... a back-to-back situation or three and four, it could be a situation where they, you know, slot him back in just to get him reps because it's not like he's taking himself out of the lineup. It's not like they're holding on for dear life with Cliff, with Grizzly Cow. Like Clifton has been doing a solid job, especially in that last game. Um, and I think that's just an encouraging thing for the team too. I think they're already have a confident group. They already got a veteran group that sets the tone and, you know, the results have been out there in terms of these comeback wins, but also I have to imagine for this roster, you know, as much as they are, you know, confident going into the air, you still have to look at it and be like, all right, we're still changing the gears a little bit, right? We don't have Chara. We don't have Krug. Like we're, we're going to be a different team. The fact that the defense has been holding up that, you know, these rookies you're relying on and, and Zaboral and Lozon are doing well, that Kevin Mill is back healthy and playing great hockey. Uh, your power play still looks good. Your PK is doing well with guys like, you know, correct. Rally and, and Coyle and Bjork stepping up. I, I have to imagine for the plays itself, it also, I'm sure, builds that momentum that, you know, we still got a very, very good team on our hands, right? Like, I think it's definitely encouraging from that angle of, um, so I think they had to have like a buy-in this year to like be like, all right, we're going to be legit. I think they were confident, but when you're seeing the results like these pile up where you're having multiple guys step up into the role, I think it goes a long way to kind of get that momentum building up because, again, Pasa has that hat trick. Uh, you've had, you know, Bergeron get the OT winner, but you also have had, you know, uh, Lozon set up that tying goal from Craig Smith against Washington. You had Kala with the game winner. Corrali had the game winner. Like, you're having a lot of guys step up right now. So uh, I think if you're, you know, in that room, you have to be confident just the fact that everything seems to be kind of clicking at the same time right now, which is good for a team that – even if we had high hopes for them, you'd probably think they'd have to have a, a month or so just to gel just because of how many new guys are being put into different spots. And, and again, it's a good problem to have. This is not, as you said, yes. no one's hanging on for dear life. Um, but, you know, you look at Clifton and what Clifton's shown in his, you know, few games here is he's good off of, you know, not playing for a while. And he's good at kind of jumping in uh, and not needing a ton of games to get going. Obviously, you'd like to see him get into a groove. You know, we saw that in the playoffs in 2019. He played consistently. And he was great. So maybe that would happen again this year. But you look at a guy like Zaboral, and granted, he had some tough plays against Philadelphia uh, that weren't really that good. But you really look at Zaboral, and uh, this is a guy who has really stepped into a full-time role and, and done a really good job in, in what they've asked of him. Taking him out would not help him. I, I don't think taking him out mm-hmm. and then throwing him back in in, you know, March or something or here and there would, would do anything for, for his development. It would hurt him. So I do think that taking Clifton out would probably be the right move. And it's the move that I think is going to get done, um, which a lot of fans are not going to be fans of uh, because Cliffy hockey is, is too much fun to watch. Cliffy hockey it needs to be on the ice at all times. But before I let you go, uh, is there anything that you would like to plug? 
Yeah, we're going to be working on a few more projects. I uh, dropped uh, a nice weekend column breaking down the top five surprises uh, for the Bruins so far with it being, I think, 20% through the season, which is crazy to think about. They're already kind of a ridiculous. way through. That is ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, obviously, I think we touched on a lot of them today, but a lot of surprises with this team, a lot of them positive, uh, which is good news for the for Bruins fans. But So we broke that down. We'll have a few more breakdowns going into this kind of – mini break that they're in right now. Um, and yeah, we'll be prepping for hopefully a couple of games against the Rangers, which could be very much uh, high scoring games over the next couple of days. So uh, if you want to follow along, uh, subscribe over at Boston sports journal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Do all of that. And for CLNS media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruinsby listeners have a great rest of your week. Yeah.